Welcome to the Troy Chi Alpha Podcast, reconciling students to Christ, transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. In today's episode, you'll be listening to our sermon delivered at this week's Wednesday Night Worship. Yes, thank you to, oh my gosh, Jordan, I forgot your name for a second. Jordan and Anita, as I figure out, anybody know how to roll, just roll it? All right, I got this. Oh yeah, and, and Brett. Sorry, I'm sorry, Brett. Oh, well, all right, so that's something, isn't it? Wow, thank you, Jordan, for that, I appreciate it. Cool, well, I'm take this off, I guess. I don't know. What do you guys know me? All right. <clears throat> yep, I'll have to figure out that out later. Cool. Well, tonight, surprise, guys, you get to hear from me. Yay! Thanks, Tom. Wow. You know, I can always count Tom for that boast of encouragement. I really appreciate it, even if I get the date wrong on everything that we've ever done. <sighs> Y'all, I wish I hadn't done that. <sighs> it's happened a lot. We should probably check those stuff, huh? And I have like on my calendar is it's all right. Anyways, okay. So um, tonight and then over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna he- get to hear from me and Richard. We're gonna talk a little bit about um, the kingdom of God. Um, I think we titled it Kingdom Culture. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and get started, I guess. Um, tonight I'm gonna open up with our main text. We're looking at um, Matthew six nine through thirteen, um, and here we're picking up um, Jesus. And a pretty famous passage of scripture, um, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Jesus in these particular verses is giving the disciples a model prayer. Um, we're going to read a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and I'm reading from um, the NIV. That's what all my scripture will be from tonight. So, all right, Matthew 6, here we go. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So tonight we're going to be focusing mainly on verse 10, which is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and I'm sure if we were to like poll the room, all of you guys have heard this before. And then I'm sure if we were to poll you guys again and be like, who could say it from memory? I bet like a lot of you guys could say it, right? Um, so, like, I'm like, y'all, I've had this memorized, I honestly, from, like, I don't know when, but I, I do remember, like, <laughs> as long as back as I was, like, playing softball, I played softball, like, from when I was four to, like, through high school, and, like, I remember us all, like, lining up around the pitching mound after a game and, like, crossing arms and, like, everyone, like, saying it together, um, and we even did that into, like, I worked for the softball team here, and they said it before the games, so it's just like this thing that people say, right? And like we did that in high school band. Like we all circled up before band and we all said it before football games or competitions. You know, we were we were going to pray that prayer. Um, but I never really thought about what that prayer means. Like I just like said it because we were all saying it, you know, and you're kind of rushing to the end. And it's like, oh, cool, we said it together, sweet. But like I never really thought about what the words I was saying meant or anything. I never really thought in particular about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And maybe tonight you're sitting here like, Avi, I've already thought about it. Thanks, so. And like, maybe you're not. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know, I really haven't either. That's probably good, all right? Um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about it a little bit. So um, Jesus starts with your kingdom come. So Jesus is commanding these disciples how to pray, right? He's, he's commanding them to pray your kingdom come. And I think this is a pretty impactful statement for Jesus to start with because right before this, he acknowledges God, the Father, and the holiness of him and his name, right? Right before this, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I feel like whatever comes next, right, it's got to be pretty important for that to be how he starts. And then we go into your kingdom come, right? But, but what does Jesus mean by that? And I think in where Jesus is at, you know, Jesus is sitting there with the disciples and he's saying your kingdom come. And as, as a prayer for them to use, but, like, he's saying, like, I'm here with you guys right now, and I think that's still true for us today. Like, Jesus is still with us as we're walking, as we're walking on this earth, and as, as we're growing in our walks with him, right? And so, like, my, my very first thought when reading this and, like, actually kind of digging deep into it as I was preparing for this was, like, wow, okay, your kingdom come. That's not my kingdom come. That's not me kingdom come. That's, like, God, that's not about me anymore, which is kind of a tough pill to swallow, right? But, you know, this is, this is no longer about me. This is about what, what God and his will and what he has planned for the world. So, like, we know from, from Genesis, in Genesis 1, it says that we are made in the image of God, and, and we know that we're made to glorify him. But, like, how in the world can we play an active role in that? Um, I think, first of all, we can live a life that's honoring to the Lord, and you're kind of like, okay, well, how do we do that? I think, you know, Matthew 22, 30, 37 through 40 kind of gives us a little glimpse in that. And he said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We're going to talk a little bit more about that the next week. But it's kind of a little snippet. snippet. Okay, yeah. Um, so I want to focus a little bit more on the next phrase, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. So I think this phrase tells Christians that we're called to pray for the continual advancement of the kingdom of God, right? And if we're a part of this kingdom, that means that we value the things that God values. And, and this kingdom exists to redeem the lost. And, and God values people living in right relationship with him. And, and we love God, and, and we want people to experience the same love that we've experienced, right? And so, like, tonight, kind of my main point of this whole thing is, like, guys, reality is that our friends are going to spend eternity separated from God if we aren't willing to share the gospel with them. Our, our friends, our classmates, like, even more so than that, our, our, our friends, like, people that we're not friends with are going to spend eternity away from God, right? Our friends, our classmates, our coworkers, our family, if no one shares it with them, like, if we don't, who's going to, right? Like, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But, you know, the kingdom of God isn't just for our friends and for the people that it's easy for us to talk to about God. You know, God cares for everyone, right? And, and Jesus makes many examples of going outside the social or cultural norms and, and reaching people. And I kind of want to quickly touch on two of those examples. So the first one's in John 4. And we catch up with Jesus, and he's kind of chilling out by a well in the middle of the day, which is a really rough paraphrase of the first four verses. But we're going to pick up in verse 4. We're in John 4, 4 through 10. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. 
The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and you knew it was, and who it was, oh gosh, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. So in Jesus' day, Jews would not have associated with Samaritans. Like, I mean, I think John even, John even says it in verse Verse 9, he says, for Jews not associate with Samaritans, right? Um, and for a long time, I'd heard people say that, and I'd be like, yeah, they don't, right? But I didn't really know what that meant, and I didn't really know, like, who those people were. So, like, all right, we're ready? So we've got Gentiles, right? And we've got Jews. And then we've got Samaritans, which are, like, half and half, okay? And Jews wanted nothing to do with Samaritans. They thought that they were unclean. The, the S- Samaritans had their own temples and their own version of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and, like, Jews wanted nothing, nothing to do with Samaritans. Like, nothing. So it would have been completely normal in this cultural time for Jesus to sit there and just ignore her. For Jesus to sit there and not, like, acknowledge her existence, not speak to her. But, like, he breaks that and he speaks to her. And not only does he speak to her, he also asks her for a drink from, from her bucket, right? And for him to drink from that bucket would mean that he's, like, unclean too, right, according to what, what Jews thought about Samaritans, right? So, like, he would have had to go through several steps to be clean, which is just a hassle in the process. And, you know, Jesus later goes on to share that he is the Messiah, and she runs later on in John 4 to, to share with the rest of her town. And Jesus was able to share the gospel with this woman because, and subsequently her whole town, because he was willing to have a conversation with her, right? He was willing to have a conversation with someone that his culture told him that he shouldn't have, that someone his culture told him that wasn't worthy. You know, Jesus cared way more about her eternity than what society told him was okay or what was proper to do. Um, Now let's look over at Luke 19 as our second um, example. If we look at Luke 19, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. So Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So, like, I mean, first of all, for people, like, okay, you guys have been in a crowd, right, where something shocking happens and everyone's like, (gasps) and then, like, you hear the mumble, it's like, what's going on, you know, and everybody around you is, like, mumbling. So, like, imagine if something like this happened and everyone around you was like, ooh, he's a sinner, ooh, uh uh-oh, he's a sinner, Uh uh-oh, Jesus is going to be a sinner, so sitting good, you know, like, we've all been there, we've all felt that, like, awkward, like, Ooh, okay, you know, and so I think for everyone in the crowd, I mean, it says all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner, you know, clearly they all think that he's a sinner, they all think Zacchaeus is a sinner, and then I think, like, the next thing that stood out to me was, um, they call him a chief tax collector, not just a tax collector, not just one of the tax collectors, they refer to him as chief tax collector, so that means, like, he was in charge, right, so, you know, same thing with the Samaritans and Jews, right? I heard, like, tax collectors are probably bad, right? They're, like, not great. But I was always like, I don't really know why, but people don't like them. You know, people don't like to pay taxes. They're really mad about it for some reason, like, more mad then than they are now, I think. 
but like it comes down to a little bit more than that. So tax collectors are like the most despised people from like a Jews perspective. So they the tax collectors work for the Roman government and the Roman government had actually come in and like taken over Israel and now they have these tax collectors that are living there who are like asking for money to pay back to the Roman government because like now they're technically over them and it's just a big mess. But then like there's this problem with tax collectors because they're like notorious for like taking more than they should, right? They're notorious for being greedy and wanting to keep stuff for themselves and like they want to cheat people out of money. And uh, I mean like for Zacchaeus to be the chief tax collector, that means he was probably really good or like really bad, however you view that, you know, at his job and like at taking things from people. So like if we read a little bit further down, we see that Jesus is actually able to share the gospel with Zacchaeus and because and uh, and only because of a conversation he was willing to have, he was willing to go to the place where Zacchaeus was and share it with him. So Luke 19, 8 through 10 says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus repents, right? And he, then he wants to give back half of his possessions, not just income, not just, you know, the stuff that he's going to get one day, but he wants to give back half of everything that he owns to those who has cheated. And he wants to, like, give back four times that to, the, to people who he has taken money from, right? And so Zach, uh, Jesus completely transforms this guy's life. A man who, like, society says is not worthy. A, a, a man who, like, society looks down upon, who they all can't stand, right? But Jesus is able to, to meet him in this place and to have one conversation with him and is able to change his life completely. I think that, that Jesus very clearly cares about those who are far from God. And I think we can see that just from these two passages. But there are examples of that all over the, the New Testament and the Gospels. I think Jesus cares about people no matter their social status. I think that God values the lost. And to make that more personal, God values about God values and cares about our our lost friends, our lost classmates, our lost families, our lost coworkers, and I think we have to too. God cares about their eternity, and and we we have to care about it ultimately too. We we don't get a choice in this anymore. Jesus did not come to this earth to die and be raised from the dead just for us to only care about those who look like us or act like us or dress like us or say things we agree with in class or they're from the same political party that we're from. I think Jesus died for all those people, you know, the people who are not even in the same social circles or in the same social clubs that we're a part of on campus. You know, Jesus cares about all of those people, and, and we have to, too. Um, we have a role to play, and we have to be willing to have those hard conversations with our friends, with our families, with our classmates. Jesus died for everyone in our lives, you know, even the people that, that we just are not real happy with, honestly. Um, if I can get the band to come back up. So I'm going to tell a story. So maybe you guys have been sitting here and you're like, yeah, Ivy, like, I get what you're saying, but, like, we're supposed to do those things. And, like, Jesus did them. Yeah, 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 I get that Jesus did them. But, like, and then he told us to do them. But, like, that feels like a lot, right? And, and that feels like a lot of things that, you know, that might be really hard for us to do. Um, but, like, Jesus is just Jesus, like, he's like God, right? And I'm just, like, a freshman or a sophomore or whatever, and I just figured out that Rushing Hall and New Res are the same thing. So, like, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oof, I really don't know. Like, 
I've been really confused for a whole semester and a half, but now we've got it settled and we're good, you know? So, like, I don't really know if I can do these things. Um, but I want to share you guys, share a story with you guys. Um, I want to share about how I came to know Jesus um, and how, like, all of this can start with one conversation. So, I, I came to Troy as a freshman, like, seven years ago, which makes me feel really old, but it was really not that long ago, okay? And um, I, like, knew that, like, church was probably something I was supposed to do, right? And I was like, I mean, we grew up in Alabama, like, you're supposed to go to church. And I came to Troy, and there's, like, this poster on my door when I moved to my dorm, and it had, like, a whole list of stuff that had a bunch of free food at it, right? And one of them was the Connect concert, or the um, cookout and concert that, that Chi Alpha used to put on, and I was like, cookout and concert, and it was, like, free food, free music, sponsored by Chi Alpha. And I was like, ooh, Chi Alpha, that sounds like fun, I guess. Sure, I'll go free food. I'm really here for that. And so I went and met a couple people, and they're like, hey, we're having this on Tuesday night. Class started on Wednesday. And they're like, hey, we're having a, 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 a worship service tomorrow. And I was like, all right, it's Wednesday. That's like church night. I'm supposed to go to church. Okay, that sounds good. Um, and so I went to this worship service, and I ended up meeting this girl named Haley. Um, and she was like, hey, we have this thing called small group, and it meets on Monday. And I was like, all right, I think that sounds like I'm supposed to go to that. Sounds good, I'll be there. Um, and so I went to small group that semester, you know, and then Haley was like, hey, you wanna get lunch? And I was like, yeah, all right, sounds good, I guess. Um, and so like we met for lunch every week and I was going to small group on Monday and worship service on Wednesday and meeting with Haley for lunch on some other day of the week, right? But I also started going to things like parties on the weekends and, and doing what I wanted on the weekends and so like, Monday and Wednesday, I love Jesus, I love the Lord, I was going to pray, I was going to be here, and I was going to worship, but like the weekends, I didn't care, I was living for myself, I was living for whatever happened, you know, I, I, I was living for me at, at like at the end of the day, right, and like every week Haley and I would meet and she would ask me all these questions about like my quiet time, and I was like, I don't really know what that is, like, is that when I'm asleep, sounds good, I like, yeah, I like quiet time, I'm asleep then, yeah, I like that, you know, and she asked me about like my Bible reading and my prayer life, and I was like, I don't really know, man, like, I do that stuff, I guess, I pray, yeah, I pray for my food, bless it, Lord, amen, you know, like, I didn't know that kind of stuff, and like, this continued into my sophomore year, and we met, and I was still, you know, partying more and more, and getting involved, like, in this really, really wrong crowd, honestly, and my frequency at small group became less and less and less, like, I just stopped going, like, almost completely, I stopped going to Wednesday night worship, I just didn't really care, um, and then the end of my sophomore year, um, I'll go home for the summer, and Haley's a senior, and she's not coming back. She's going to work for Chi Alpha and do a CMIT at another campus. And so, like, suddenly I come back to school, and there's nobody texting me, like, hey, V, you coming to small group? Hey, AV, you gonna you come to you come to worship? You know, there's nobody grabbing lunch with me. Um, I'd, I'd blocked the Chi Alpha number, so I wasn't even getting, like, Wednesday night worship text messages. Um, and if you ever blocked that, it's almost impossible to get added back, so... Oof, it took me a couple years to figure out how to get added back to that, so just happened last year, it's fine. Um, and so, like, you know, there was nobody checking in on me and, 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 like, asking me if I was reading my Bible or, you know, praying or if I was, you know, still living a life that wasn't honoring to Jesus because, you know, Haley got more and more blunt the longer we knew each other, and she'd just be like, you still not living for Jesus? Because I was also very blunt about it. I, you know, I'd tell my small group what I was doing on the weekends, and it's very just arrogant of me, but, you know, She's, she had patience to meet with me and to talk with me and just to, to meet me where I was at and to have those conversations. And Haley did something in those two years. You know, she, she met with me. She knew I wasn't following Jesus, but she was still willing to reach out and to be my friend, right? 
and obviously something happened between my sophomore year and now, because I wouldn't be sitting here tonight, you know, talking to you guys if I was still living like that. Um, I did eventually start following Jesus, but I know if it wasn't for all of those conversations and for someone actually challenging me for the first time in my life and, and challenging, like, the ideas I had about God or, you know, an answering my questions I had, you know, she would just sit there and talk and ask me questions and I'd ask questions back. And if she didn't know the answer, she'd be like, dude, I don't know, but let me find out. You know, and she'd come back the next week and, and have, you know, close to an answer or, you know, she would look into it, right? And so, like, over those, those two years, it wasn't that she was, like, hounding me and, and constantly doing all these things. It was that she was willing to build a relationship with me, right? She was willing, will, willing to build a relationship with me to be able to poke a little bit, poke a little holes in my ideas about what I thought being, like, a, being a Jesus follower was, right? And, like, I think that's the part that we miss, you know? It's like Jesus, Jesus had these two examples, and, like, he was able to handle it in just one conversation, right? He was able to, you know, show these people that, like, there was another way to live in one conversation over and over again. Um, and some people chose to repent and follow him, and, and some didn't. And, you know, for over two years, I met with Haley, and I did not choose to repent. I never, you know, said to her, I want to follow Jesus. I remember sitting there once and her asking me if I was ever going to change, and I was like, nope, don't see that happening. And, you know, I'm sure that was incredibly hard to hear, but, like, I didn't care, you know? But sometime later, I learned that, like, Haley really cared about me, really cared about my walk with Jesus. And I think that, that we, we have to care about people like that, right? I think that reality is, is our friends and our classmates, people that look like us, people that don't, people that act like us, the people that don't, are going to live eternity without us, are going to live eternity without God, right? They're not, they're not going to spend eternity with God forever. And that's got to be something that, that really kind of drives us to make those relationships, right? Like, that's, that's a scary thought, you know? There are people we see every day who have never heard the name of Jesus, who have never been in a real conversation about him. And I think that we have to have a concern for the lost and for their eternity. And we must be willing to share. We must be willing to have that first conversation to, to be able to build that relationship. So I want to read scripture that I started with earlier, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I was reading some commentaries um, on this passage and I, and I stumbled across this um, R.T. France quote and it says, to pray such a prayer is, of course, to be committed oneself to honor God's name, accept his kingship, and to do his will. So, as I come to a close tonight, I want to ask you guys a couple questions, if that's all right. You don't really get a choice, but I'm asking anyways. All right, so, you know, are we really committed to, the, to God's kingdom and, and to being a part of his will and being, to, being an active participant in his will? Are we really committed to seeing the lost actually come to know Jesus as Lord of their lives? Do we really believe what God can do on our campus if we will just be a part of it? You know, thinking through this verse, you know, do we really believe, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven, but like to make that more where we're at right now, do we believe like your kingdom come, your will be done on campus as in heaven or in our math class or in saga, you know, as is in heaven, you know, I, I think, you know, we have to come to reality that our friends are going to spend eternity separated from God 
And we have to be willing to have that first conversation to be able to share with them about him. I think that there are people here tonight that honestly, you know, God's been nudging you at class. God's been nudging you in saga. You know, you need to speak to that person. You need to say to them. And I think tonight, you know, you need to make a commitment. You need to repent for, for not following what he's asking you to do. And, you know, maybe you're, you're scared because they may sound different than you. They may look different than you. They may dress different than you. They may, you know, say opinions that you just don't agree with in class. And you're scared of what that means for you, you know. But, guys, guys, we've got to be willing to have those conversations. And maybe tonight you're sitting here and this whole time you're like, poof, I can't get that girl out of my math class. Or I can't get that guy that I see every single Wednesday at 1030 and TC out of my mind. You know, maybe tomorrow is the day that you approach them and say, hey, can we grab lunch? Hey, can we grab coffee? You know, we, we just have to be willing to make that first conversation. I know the whole time I was making this, like the Lord just kind of just like kept laying people, friends in my life, family in my life, you know, people that I, that I have just like been, like been fortunate to become really close with who aren't following Jesus. And who was like, you've got to be willing to have that conversation too. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, I'm in, you know. So like, Maybe tonight's the night that you reach out to those people. Maybe tomorrow is the first day that you speak to them and ask them to get to get lunch. You start that that relationship. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're like, you know, I hear you talking about following Jesus, but I don't really know if I'm doing that or not. And I have some questions. You know, me and Richard will be down front here, and we'd love to be able to talk with you and share with you and answer any questions you have. Um, if you guys will stand, um, I'm going to pray, and then you guys can respond. The band's not going to play, but I just want you guys to Stay where you're at and pray, and if you need to come to the altars and pray, you know, we're here. Let's pray. To the Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to know you. Lord God, we thank you um, that, that Jesus made a way for us to have a relationship with you. Lord, you are worthy of, of honor. You are worthy of praise. And God, we, we want our, our friends and our classmates to be able to come in right relationship with you. Lord, we just pray that tonight that, that we are willing to make that first step. We are willing to have that first conversation. Lord, because we have a relationship with you and we know how good that is and the freedom that that's given us. And Lord, we just pray that we just are able to have that courage to just reach out to them. Lord, we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. You can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com.
find us on social media at Troy Thanks for listening.